Jacob, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Drew. But wouldn't Moriarty disappear out of the holodeck? I think the only thing holographic is your brain. No, you fool, we're going to review an animated uh, movie on this here podcast. Brilliant! No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why would anybody want to listen to geek, two geeks like us? Because, you fool, these people have uh, are so very easily entertained. Okay, Drew. Nerf! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who uh, needs to be really careful because isn't it kind of dangerous to use one's entire vocabulary in one sentence? Jacob. Ouch. Why, thank you. <laughs> I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man kind of like a certain terrier. He's just too cool for everything else. Welcome, Drew. I've been accused of worse. <laughs> I mean, why should I worry? Exactly. Anyway, how are you doing today, Jacob? I am doing well. Doing well. Uh, today, it's it's been a very long week, being we record on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it's just been a very long week. Like, I'm working a lot more hours, and be like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy that, but whew, it's been a long week. Okay. It's only Tuesday. Other than that, it's pretty good. How about you? Oh, my week's been pretty good been uh like you it's just been a long week i Mm -hmm. mean work church visiting the parents getting ready for a vacation yeah you know the usual stuff yeah yeah aren't you going like like end of the month i'll be going on vacation Ah. not telling where Uh, i gotcha not till after the fact i gotcha but uh yeah well happy trolls on that (laughs) indeed so uh what have you been watching what have i been watching uh Sonic the Hedgehog, or of more, all things, of, 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 well, primarily Sonic X, because I, I found it on YouTube just for some reason. It was there. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And be like, I remember watching Sonic as a kid, and it's like, okay, this is a little weird. It's a little odd, and uh, I've been watching um, a little bit of uh, everything wrong with video game style of Sonic games. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's okay. I get that now. I get that. I get that. Oh, I'm only getting this because I'm watching. I'm watching these videos. <laughs> but yeah, it's not like you've ever played any of these games. No, I haven't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, eventually I'll get around to you know solve uh, remedying that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day. One day. Other than that, it's nothing really except. That unless I'm missing something. Okay. How about you? Well, uh, I haven't been watching much, but yesterday I did get to play something. Yeah, uh, the demo to the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake. Okey dokey, and it's very, very, very good. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, if you're on the fence and you've got a PlayStation 4, it's not on Xbox yet because the game is not coming out on Xbox for a year mm. because of an exclusivity deal. But uh, go download that demo and see if you like the like the gameplay because it's done very well. Now, of course, that remake is only like uh, of the original game. Yeah, it's about. It takes up what was the first five hours of the original game. Right. And they kind of 
expanded it out to about what my understanding they expanded out to the length of a full game so and there was a couple of cool moments throughout there that in the interest of not not being nice i'm not going to spoil but the music sounds great the uh the voice acting is good gameplay is excellent so yeah i'm i enjoyed that pretty much all right rock on yeah yeah definitely for someone there again i'm not a gamer uh, having some, having watched many hours of Final Fantasy VII as a kid, mm-hmm. the demo looks really good. The trailer looks really good, and I wouldn't mind watching it. <laughs> but well, either way, <laughs> if the time allows, yeah, if the, t- if the time allows, yes. Uh, so, uh, what do we got in the news? What do we got in the news? I assume you have news. Yes. Let me put my pencil down for the moment. Yes. He is sketching in the middle of the episode yes. because that is what Jacob does. Exactly. Keeps him focused. Exactly. Because believe me, you don't want me unfocused. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let's go ride bikes. All right. So Let's go fly a kite. Okay. <laughs> All right. So is anybody ready to rumble? Do, 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 All right. So... Wait, that's Mortal Kombat. That's Mortal Kombat. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> kind of a rumbling happening Kind of a there, rumble. But, kind know. of a rumble. Well, apparently, Paramount is getting ready to put out uh, their newest release, which is called Rumble. Okay. And uh, they just released a trailer. Uh, it should be out now. By the time this drops, be like it'll be on probably like a week. Uh, it's a new trailer. Uh, it's it's a, uh, as they're calling it, a supersized animated Family comedy produced by Real X, Real FX, Walden Media, and introducing the ring with the association of WWE Studios. Okay. So apparently, the movie is about larger than life world of monster monster wrestling, where we meet you know superstar superstar monsters, and we're introduced to a a teen wannabe trainer, Wendy. And her lovable underdog monster, she wants to transform into a champion. Rumble opens in theaters January 29th, 2021. So from my understanding, this is essentially a kaiju boxing movie. Sounds like it. Okay, then. A wrestling movie. Wrestling, boxing, eh. (laughs) There's differences, but... Yes. You get the WWE. I guess that would make it wrestling. Yeah, it's wrestling. Okay. I get, it, it, it might in be my mind, fit. I think I'm having flashbacks to Real Steel, which was the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Oh, yeah. Starring Hugh Jackman. Yes. So, yeah. All right. So, in box office news, a little, a little bit interesting. So, our little blue friend has dropped to the second place. Sonic, Took long enough. Yeah, Sonic, Hedge, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, has dropped into second place in the box office mm-hmm. with number one being The Invisible Man. Okay, I'm not. I'm be like not a movie for me. I probably won't go watch it. I don't know anything about it. All right, so other than he's invisible, yeah, yeah, it's a horror movie. Be like, yeah. I'm not a horror fan. If you're a horror fan, great. I'm just not into horror. Uh, so Sonic right now is t- t- sitting at a gross of 128.6 million dollars right now in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh. This is since its uh, releases. It's been out like three weeks, and it's doing very well for itself. 
Call of the Wild is number three still. Uh, bigger, in my opinion. Yeah, it should be bigger. It'd be a lot of keep hearing. It's a really good movie. And, it is a very good movie. And oddly enough, we have another animated movie at sitting at the top, the fourth spot. Can you guess what it is? Any guesses, Drew? Hang on, I'm thinking. All right. Mm-hmm. It's more of an exclusive release. I have no idea. All right. I I have a theory. Something about but it's- quirks. Really, My Hero Academia yes. uh, is fourth? <laughs> yes, it's number four. It's number four. Huh. My Hero Academia, the movie Heroes Rising, uh, released this week, re- I believe released this last weekend. And the weekend... Not, not something I expected to see. Yeah. Apparently, it's, its weekend gross was $5.9 million, and its total gross was $9.2 million. Hmm. Yeah. All righty, then. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, and that's all I've got in the news. All righty, then. So let's move into our spoiler-free review of the movie Oliver and Company. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know I watched this movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I have no idea how, where or when. But I know I watched it. Because <laughs> it's right there in that spot in my memory where uh, it's... I know I saw it, yeah, but I don't remember seeing it. If that makes any sense, okay. I the most of the mem- I have two memories of this movie. One of them is Dodger on the cab singing "Why Should I Worry?" Yeah, because I'm convinced that was on the commercial. Oh yeah, a lot. Yes, it was. That's why that one's seared there. But the second one comes from the end of the movie as they're coming back off the bridge, which I'm all I'm going to say for the spoiler-free section. But that right. should tell you the yes. spot I'm talking about. Yes. Um. So I'm, this was in the first modern viewing in the first. So it was weird is I kind of knew what was going to happen. Right. But I was always about like a second behind what was going to happen. Not a second behind, but I was only the movie. The movie was only a second behind me because it wasn't like, like when you go watch the Lion King as yeah. an example, uh, you know, what's going to happen throughout the whole movie. But if you go and watch for instance, this weekend when we go see Onward or Thursday, yeah, because yeah. I'm going to go see Onward Thursday, whether no matter how, what we do, yeah, um, maybe Friday. I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure when I'm going to go see Onward. Hmm. But anyway, I don't know what's going to happen in the movie besides what I saw in the trailer. So right. that's going to be a complete mystery. This movie, I know I watched, but it's so far back there. I have all my memories are buried beneath who knows what all. Yeah. So. I knew what was going to happen, but I only knew it about a second before it happened. Oh, okay. If that makes any sense. It was it was a weird thing because it's like, I have memories, but I don't know when I watched it. I know I watched it. I just don't remember when I watched it. So, and I enjoyed the movie. It was fun. Uh, yeah, cats and dogs living together. A madness, hysteria. No, I'm kidding. It's just New York City, so you know, not too much yeah. different from that. But well, it was the '80s, after all. '88, to be specific. Um, it's a good movie. If you've never seen it, go give it a shot. I mean, it's good. It's a, that's the nicest thing I can say about it. It's definitely family friendly. Now, unlike Drew, be like I, I don't remember watching this film as a kid. I really don't. Uh, now, mind you. The 80s cart, the 80s Disney was kind of a. We didn't watch those movies when we were kids for some reason. I don't know. 
And so now as an adult, I'm going back and watching them and be like, there's some really good movies in the 80s. Definitely from Disney. Yeah. But yeah. just like everything in the 80s, cartoon-wise, it's dark. <laughs> and it's dark. It's somewhat scary. This and- movie is not that dark. <laughs> well, some of the themes are dark. We just saw Secret of Nim, and yeah. you're just wanting me to say, based, come, having come off that movie, that no, this I'm, is a dark no, movie? No, 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 no. Now, mind you, I'm not saying it's dark as Secret of Nim. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I am saying this movie does have some dark themes, because if it, any, it's the 80s. <laughs> if anything, it might be close to all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, that's true. But it's not. Yeah. Even though Dom DeLuise is in it. Yeah, uh, that is true. That is so true. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I enjoy. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I got to watch it as an adult. I had ordered it off Disney Movie Club, and really having no clue, all except be like, "Why should I worry?" And it's dogs in New York, and it's the eighties. Mm-hmm. So I watched it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> enjoyed it tremendously, and yeah, highly recommend this film. It's good. It's funny. Um, you hear Billy Joel act for the first time, or and voice? only time, and only time. Hey, we'll get he, more on that in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Hey, at least he can sing well. I thought he acted well. To yeah, be honest, I, I, oh, I, 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 I'm not. I was gonna go there. Yeah, yes, but we'll, we'll get, get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to that, that later. But I enjoy this film. Um, yeah, and plus, it's dogs. I like dogs, so yeah, I enjoy this film. Alrighty. Well, join us on the other side as we get into our spoiler-filled recollections or thoughts on this movie. Uh, If you don't want to be spoiled, shut us off now and come back to us later. Uh, And we'll see you on the other side. Alrighty then. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Oliver and Company. Listener discretion is advised. Oliver and Company was directed by George Schreiber... This is his only directorial movie. Hmm. One movie he directed. Previously, he was an animator on The Black Cauldron. Ew. And he was an animator on the Smurfs TV show. Hmm. Uh, it was written, the story was written by Vance Gary, Mike Gabriel, Joe Ranf, Jim Mitchell, Chris Bailey, Kirk Wise, David Michener, Roger Allers, Gary Trudale, Kevin Lima, Michael Sedano, Peter Young, Leon Jusen, and Bill Berg with additional story material by Garrett Graham, Sam Graham, Chris Hubel, Steve Hullett, and Danny Mann. That wow. is a lot of writers. That is a lot of writers. That is weird. And of course, the movie was inspired by Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Loosely inspired. Extremely loosely inspired. Well, what I what I understand... The plot is still there, but that's about it. Yeah, it's basically what they did. They they basically took the story of Oliver Oliver Twist and put it into 1988's New York and made Oliver a cat. <laughs> Pretty much. And then shortened the story to fit into about an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then music. And songs were put in there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of songs, the music was composed by J.A.C. Redford, who was the composer on the television series Coach. Oh, okay. And on both D2 The Mighty Ducks and D3 The Mighty Ducks. Ah. Uh, so- each of the songs was written and, of course, performed 
by different people. Unlike most Disney stuff where one person writes pretty much all of them. True. So uh, the song Once Upon a Time in New York City was uh, written by Barry Mann with lyrics by Howard Ashman and, of course, performed by Huey Lewis. Wait a minute. Howard Ashman wrote the song? Wrote the lyrics. Wrote the lyrics. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And then Huey Lewis sang it. Oh, okay. I got to go back and listen to that song You know Howard Ashman from something? Yeah, Little Mermaid. Okay, then. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Uh, Well, he wrote Once Upon a Time in New York City. Oh, okay. Rock on. Uh, Why Should I Worry was written by Dan Hartman and Charlie Midnight. Mm Mm-hmm. It was performed by Billy Joel at the beginning of the movie, and then the reprise at the end was Billy Joel, Ruth Pointer, Richard Mulligan, Cheech Marin, and Roscoe Lee Brown. Yes. <laughs> Streets of Gold, uh, was the music was written by Tom Snow with lyrics by Dean Pitchford, and of course it was performed by Ruth Pointer. Mm-hmm. Perfect Isn't Easy was written by Barry Manilow. Is written by Manilow? Jack, yeah. Wow. Barry Manilow, Jack Feldman, and Bruce Sussman. Okay. And uh, Good Company, which is the little piano tune that she plays to Oliver about oh, midway yeah. through it and when she's practicing, that was written by Ron Rocha and uh, Rob Minkoff and, of course, performed by Mina Tran. Mina Tran. Okay. I'll get into that here in a bit. Okay. Uh, the cast, we've got Joey Lawrence playing Oliver. He was Chad in a Goofy movie, but his most famous role was as Joey Russo in Blossom, huh. which I've never seen. I remember watching it very little as a kid. I don't remember it at all. Okay. Uh, Billy Joel plays Dodger, and of course, he's a rock star. Mm-hmm. I guess it's rock. Terrier. He's not a terrier in real life. No. Billy Joel? He's, he's Piano Man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Cheech Marin plays Ignacio Alonso Julio Federico de Tito. He is, of course, half of Cheech and Chong. Uh huh. He played Bonsai the Hyena in The Lion King. Yes. And he played him in Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, go figure, man. <laughs> yes. And uh, Ramon in Cars. Okay. You know, the, the Mexican car. Oh! <laughs> in Cars. Okay. The one that sounds like Cheech Marin oh, and, okay. and is I, high. I, I, I no, it's I, not really high, but it's uh, it's implied he's high. <laughs> I vaguely remember cars. Vaguely. Okay. Uh, Richard Mulligan plays Einstein, and uh, the biggest thing I saw was in little in the movie Little Big Man. He played General Custard. Okay. He just wasn't in a whole lot. Uh, Roscoe Lee Brown plays Francis. In the John Wayne movie, The Cowboys, he played Jebediah Nightlinger. Okay. Uh, He played a character named Box in Logan's Run. And he played Mr. Arrow in Treasure Planet. Okay. So we'll probably run into him again. Probably. Cheryl Lee Ralph played Rita. And uh, in the live-action Flintstones movie, she played a character named Mrs. Pyrite. Okay. Ruth Pointer was Rita's singing voice. Bing. And uh, she's the eldest member of the singing group, the Pointer Sisters. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Dom DeLuise played Fagin. He didn't play dog? (laughs) No. He played a human. Okay. (laughs) Just remember the last time he was a dog. (laughs) 
One of those times he was Tiger in An American Tale. Oh, yeah. Itchy in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yes. And Jeremy in The Secret of Nim. Oh, okay. On those, on those episodes, if you don't remember them. Go listen to them. Indeed. Uh, Toreen Black played Roscoe. And in the television series Hill Street Blues, he played Detective Neil Washington. Okay. Uh, DeSoto was played by Carl Weintraub. And in the movie Air Force One, he played Air Force One co-pilot Lieutenant Colonel Ingrams. Oh, okay. So he got shot. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Robert Loggia, and I probably said that wrong, plays Sykes. He played Frank Lopez in the movie Scarface. And General William Gray in both the Independence Day movies. Oh, okay. Natalie Gregory played Jenny. And in a made-for-TV movie version of Alice in Wonderland, she played Alice. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mina Tran was Jenny's singing voice. And her only other credit not connected to this movie was she was a choral singer in something called Lady in White. Hmm. Which I have no idea what it is. Me either. Bette Midler played Georgette. Mm-hmm. She is known for playing Winifred Sanderson in Hocus Pocus. Yes. Kitty Galore in Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Okay. And in the original Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof, she played Zytel. Yeah. The eldest daughter. Oh, uh, okay. If you've never seen that movie. Me, I haven't. I was in the play. <laughs> oh, okay. In high school. Oh, okay. So, and of course, our last one here, our good buddy, Frank Welker. Go figure. <laughs> played somebody, and I didn't write down who it was. Oh, fail. Oh, no, no, I remember. He played the uh, the hot dog vendor. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, he didn't play an animal? No. Whoa, wait a minute. That's, but way to go, Frankie. You know what he has played? A lot? You know, with Frank Welker, I tr- always try to find something you're not expecting. Okay. In the miniseries, Lego Frozen Northern Lights. Okay. He plays Sven. Okay, that makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, he's played Sven. <laughs> the Lego version, anyway. Okay, interesting. So, uh, how'd the box office do? All right. So, let's go through production, uh, distribution, and through all that jazz first. All right. Production was by Walt Disney Animation, distributed by Bona Vista Studios, a.k.a. Walt Disney Studios. Its release date was November 18th, 1988. That was the year I went to to, uh, kindergarten, actually. I think that was the year I broke my leg. Okay. <laughs> All right. So box office wise, it had a budget, an estimated budget of $31 million. Its opening weekend US was $4.022 million. And that was on November 1988. Its US gross was $74.1 million. And its worldwide gross was the exact same. $4.71 million. Okay. So it made its budget back, but barely. It probably, it'd be like it probably maybe broke even with, you know, everything. But all that's going to be before marketing. Exactly. Which means that it will have lost some money. Oh, yeah. It probably lost money. But still, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. All right. That's what I've got. Okay. Okay. So for a summary of the movie. 
On Fifth Avenue, an orphaned kitten named Oliver is left abandoned after his fellow orphaned kittens are adopted. Wandering the streets by himself in search of someone to adopt him, Oliver meets a laid-back mongrel named Dodger who assists the kitten in stealing food from a hot dog vendor. Dodger then flees the scene without sharing his bounty with Oliver. Oliver follows Dodger all throughout the streets until they eventually arrive at a barge, where Dodger shares his meal with a gang of fellow strays, Tito the Chihuahua, Einstein the Great Dane, Rita the Sal... How is that? Saluki? Saluki. Saluki. And uh, Francis the Bulldog. Not Frank, not Frankie, but Francis. Uh, Oliver sneaks inside and is discovered by the dogs. After a moment of confusion, he is received with a warm welcome. The barge's owner, a pickpocket named Fagin, is indebted to Sykes, a nefarious shipyard agent and loan shark accompanied by his Dobermans, Roscoe and DeSoto. Sykes gives Fagin an ultimatum of repaying the money he had borrowed within three days under the threat of imminent violence. Fagin and the gang, now including Oliver, hit the streets the next morning to carry out petty theft so that Fagin may pawn the stolen goods for money. You know, because this is a kid's movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, through a theatrical ruse, also known as insurance fraud, mm-hmm. the, uh, the dogs managed to stop a luxurious limousine owned by the wealthy Foxworth family. The attempt to pillage the limousine fa- fails, and Oliver finds himself in the embrace of the Foxworth daughter, Jenny, who adopts Oliver to assuage the loneliness, assuage the loneliness brought about by the absence of her vacationing parents. Oliver makes himself at home in Jenny's house, much to the disgust of Georgette, the Foxworth family's pompous and pampered purebred poodle. Very good. Dodger and the others manage to steal Oliver from the Foxworth, ha- Foxworth household and return him to the barge. Fagin recognizes from Oliver's new collar that he has been adopted by a wealthy family and desperately decides to hold Oliver for ransom. His anonymously written ransom note reaches Jenny, who sets out to get Oliver back at the pier. Jenny meets with Fagin, who is shocked that he had been dealing with a little girl. Bothered by his conscience after seeing Jenny distraught over losing Oliver, Fagin gives Oliver back freely. Sykes, however, whom Fagin had informed of the deal beforehand and was watching from the shadows, drives by and kidnaps Jenny, intending to ransom her and declaring Fagin's debt paid. Dodger rallies Oliver and the other dogs to rescue Jenny from Sykes, but the animals are conf- but the animals are confronted by Sykes and his Dobermans after they free her. Fagin saves the group with his scooter, and a chase ensues throughout the streets and into the subway tunnels. Oliver and Dodger attempt a rescue and struggle with Roscoe and DeSoto, who fall off the car and are electrocuted on the subway's third rail. Sykes is killed when his car drives straight into the path of an oncoming train. Later, Jenny celebrates her birthday with the animals. Fagin and the family butler, Winston, who receives a phone call from Jenny's parents, saying that they will be returning from Rome the next day. Oliver opts to stay with Jenny, but he promises to remain in contact with Dodger and the gang. Bravo, good sir. Indeed. So, what is your first like? Uh, well, I like to quote a very excellent line from the movie. If this is torture, chain me to the wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I like the gang. 
I love the the gang of dogs or the pack of dogs. Um, one, it's a good movie. It's yeah. a good solid movie. The uh, the script is very good. The script is very good. But to go to my number one, uh, would be the pack or the gang mm-hmm. of a uh, dog. The gang's dynamic of you know the the different breeds, the different personalities. A Francis, who's this very Shakespearean actor of dog, who's a bulldog. And then you have uh, British bulldog, a British bulldog, mind you. And then you have uh, Chico the Chihuahua, who hey, is man. <laughs> who Cheech Marin is spot on for this character. He's so good at it. He's such a good. I'm not going to say dog, but a good character actor. He's mm-hmm. a good character actor. And then you have like everybody else. Um, their names elude me at the moment, but I, I enjoy every... Rita, Thank Einstein, you. and... I think that's everybody. Because the only one we didn't mention was Dodger and yeah, Oliver. Yeah, Dodger. Dodger and Oliver. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic. And also you have the uh, the the gang's you know leader, might say, would be in... Uh, Fagan. Fagan. Fagan, but... Ironically, he's the alpha male really okay well he's the leader of the pack well that's true but generally they're that's the alpha male that is true but at the same time wouldn't uh dodger Dodger is the de facto one i was being sarcastic oh yeah but if you look at like dog you know dog pack by uh psychology it would be um uh come on i just said his name nope uh einstein nope dodger nope Oliver? No. Rita? Nope. Who? I just... No, you did it. It ain't Tito. (laughs) It's Tito. It ain't Tito. Tito. Okay. And and dog psychology. Be like the smallest dog, more often than not, is the pack leader. He's the alpha. Yes, but from a storyline perspective, it's Dodger. (laughs) Oh, yes. I know that. I thought I would throw that little... Nobody respects Tito in this movie. (laughs) Hey, I love Tito. Come on, man. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's... Come on, man. Let's get into the fight. Come on, come on, come on. I'm just saying Tito does get the least amount of respect. (laughs) That that is true. He does get fricasseed a few times. (laughs) Yes. But he does get with the love of his life at the end of the movie. Yeah, a little bit. And finds out he doesn't know what he wants. No, it's like... Or he doesn't know what he asks for. Wait, pampered? A bath? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, give me a wait. <laughs> but yes, definitely the the pack is just. I love the dynamic of these characters. Their their silliness, their goofiness, their their fondness, their their bond as a group. And uh, well, like you said, like a bunch of you know, they may be a bunch of mutts, but they're you know mm-hmm. a, a family bunch of mutts. But yeah, that's my that's my number one. How about you? My number one is. Uh... A lot of the early CGI that I was not expecting. Yes, that's very good, actually. I know when we talked about The Great Mouse Detective, we went on and on about how that was the first movie with CGI. Yeah. Apparently, we were wrong. Wrong. We have a tendency of doing that. I think this was was before that movie, wasn't it? Uh, If I remember correctly, Oliver Company was... Or is it after? No, no, no. Oliver Company Company was 88. And then Little Mermaid was 1989. So this had to have been after Great Mouse Detective. Yes, it was. Okay. So yeah, that was the first one, but I was not expecting it in this one. Yeah, far far as I and understand, it's used very well. Oh yeah, most most of the most of the background of like cars and what have you are done in computer generated. Yeah. Well, 
they were the drawn part. on a computer drew them on a plotter and then mm-hmm. they were in and then drew each frame and then they cell shaded it in oh but yeah. yeah it was essentially computer animated um but so there were so many of those shots i was like okay that is cool that that's and yeah i know what it is i mean heck uh Sykes's car is com- nearly completely CGI, especially oh, yeah. in that last chase scene at oh, the yeah. end of the movie. Um, it's just used to great effect here, and for the most part, by the time it really starts uh, being used a whole lot, yeah. you're already kind of worked into the general art style of the movie, and it fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, strangely enough. <laughs> so yeah, that the mm. the early use of anim- of CGI animation in this kind of blew me away a little bit. Okay. Awesome. So, what's your number two? All right. So, speaking of Sykes, Sykes is a villain. Be like, yeah. I, like, yeah, he's he's no scar. He's no, um, anywhere, any one of those 90s villains, but he was a fairly intimidating villain. The, the fact to be like, Fagin was kind of the end of his rope and, Sykes was like, "Oh, I'm gonna bail you out. Give me some money," and then be like, "Being a loan shark." Yeah, I just I enjoy Sykes' villainy. His uh, his ruthlessness. His the fact that he kidnaps this, you know, he kidnaps Jenny in order to ransom ransom her for you know her her Foxworthy Foxworthy. It was a right. It's Foxworth is the name Foxworth of the, is the Foxworth name, family. Name. All right, thank you. I didn't know that. I, I, I it's only said like once at the very end of the movie, but when he that's up, right when he picks up the phone and says Foxworth residence. Oh, okay, I didn't pick up on that one, but yeah, this is I mean, like he's he's a very ruthless villain, and uh, I enjoy that about that because there's so many villains that are just kind of like here and done, be like they just be like they're they're, uh, they're filler in a way mm-hmm. in some ways, and. Sykes, I'd be like he's a, he's an interesting villain. He's very ruthless. Um, he he fits in with that that eighties villain crowd. A very dark, very menacing, and uh, kind of a villain for villainy's sake. Yeah, villain for villainy's sake. He'd be like, heck, he's a lone shark. Yeah, and uh, hey, he's a guy out for a buck. He does anything for a buck, literally. Yeah. So yeah, my number two, Sykes, very interesting villain. What's your number two? Three. Two. Two. It's two. Uh, my number two. My number two is... Uh, it's Georgette. Georgette. Okay. Georgette. All right. I'll- Georgette was a character I assumed when we saw her that she was going to be a, a secondary villain. And while she is indeed antagonistic towards, our, towards all of her... Yeah. She kind of turns herself around by the end of it. She does. I don't know if she completely likes Oliver or realizes what Oliver not being there is causing for the family in general. Yeah. Or maybe she just realizes, maybe just being out in the weather caused her to go cuckoo. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. When she was dragged to the the boat and dock in the middle of the (laughs) night. Where one does have to wonder why Winston did not know Jenny was gone. Uh, However, yeah, that's not even a dislike. Yeah. Eventually, that's just a weird thing I ever thought of. Yeah, um, she's got a great song. Yeah, she's very much that. Ironically, she's the one with the villain song, even though she's yes. not the villain. 
per se. She's a pseudo villain. She's, that, she's an antagonist and yes. causes trouble for Oliver, mm-hmm. but she's not the villain villain. Um, I love her use of uh, toying with Tito's heart. Oh, yes, I love Call that. Well, Alonzo. <laughs> well, well, if, if, you, if you go by the she does torture T, uh, Tito. Oh, yeah, very much so. But I love how she uses her womanly wiles to get Tito to save their lives. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> her quick thought process in hiding all the dogs before Winston comes in. Oh, yeah, that was clever. That uh, was good. Including hanging Tito on the door. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, and all that. And, of course, you know she's a hot mess when she's got she, her bed is a pedestal with a bunch of statues of her holding her up. Well, she is a pamper poodle. She's a pamper poodle. I, I understand this. <laughs> but she's such an interesting character and brings an amount of... Uh, believe it or not, she brings an amount of comedy oh, yeah. to, to it. She's like, like we said, she's not really the full villain. She's kind of a secondary antagonist mm-hmm. that ends up helping the uh, the gang at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and and she's worth my T- let tito have some of his best lines oh throughout yes the movie. absolutely um it's just she was a fun character i enjoyed her performance and of course bet midler is a gem in nearly everything she's in true so yeah <laughs> all i gotta say is winston bark winston bark bark <laughs> yeah also, the fact that she may have pictures from both Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Oh yes, I, I remember you sending me those pictures. It's like, huh? I got a fan, really? Or an obsessed fan? Or, or you're the fan of her? Maybe. Yeah, but anyway, maybe. Anyway, anyway, I just loved that. I know those aren't really Scooby and Scrappy. It yeah. can't be. But, and, they sure look like him. And admittedly, the uh, cameo of Pogo from 101 oh, yeah. at the beginnings are mm-hmm. definitely a bit more obvious. Yes. But, uh, it was cool that they kind of included those characters without having to pay Hanna-Barbera Ro- for them. Royalties in a way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you do have a few more cameos from uh, 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. And like I think every other kind of dog from the other Disney films to kind of do make I a small, very little cameo. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some characters from Lady and the Tramp in there too. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we know one of the characters, I think it's Fagin that's got the Mickey Mouse watch. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does have the Which watch. kind of cool. Those are, those are that those kind of cameos are just very fun, but this, my number two was definitely Georgette. Oh, okay. So uh, what's your number three? My number three. Now let me explain number three. It's dark. It, it has you know, a few more dark themes to it. Now I'm going to disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm not referring to it has dark themes like, um, I mean, all, all dogs go to heaven right. or stuff like that. But there again, it is the but '80s. It, it does, though. No, I'm, I'm not going to steal your thunder. You talk. Okay. So <laughs> I want to steal your thunder, but I'm oh, not I, I understand. I'm not I, going I, to steal your thunder. I, I, I will let you when I ex- explain my point. All right. So the dark themes is more be like one. It's the 1980s, and most cartoons of the 80s were dark. Be like had somewhat more darker themes, or they use a darker uh, palette, 
or they used um uh, the themes were a lot darker the uh the tones were darker mm-hmm. and uh, and be like you're you're dealing with uh you know, like you're dealing with lone sharks you're dealing with uh with theft you're mm-hmm. dealing with uh you know little little themes like that that have a little more edge to them yeah a little more edge to them and there's um uh, be like heck, be like yeah, pickpockets, and yeah. it's a dog full of pickpockets, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's it's dealing with themes that uh, earlier Disney movies probably would not have touched, right? And so that's why I'm calling it dark or, or darker themes, and because they they uh, the more often than not the uh, the 80s for Disney was more the dark ages or the often they call them the Bronze Age. So it was before the Renaissance. Yes, yeah, before the Renaissance, before the light, before the 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 new day mm-hmm. of uh, 1989 with the Little Mermaid. So this was the be like the sun is just about the peak with 1989's Oliver and Company. 88. 88. Sorry, but it did. I mean, like this movie does still have a lot of the uh, the leftovers of the 80s of mm-hmm. having these you know darker colors, darker themes. Um, and so that actually was, showing characters getting killed on exactly, screen, exactly, such as two Dobermans getting electrocuted. Oh yeah, that I was like, oh car, my gosh, the car getting run over by the train. Yeah, that was like, oh my gosh, which <laughs> that, that was oh Fagan, yeah 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 F- Fagan's not Fagan but uh, uh Sykes <clears throat> Sykes thank you Sykes death was oh my word that was awesome but sheesh and like yeah getting. Plowed over by a train. Ouch. That'll take care of you. <laughs> yep, that's true. Bye bye, Lone Shark. Either way, so that is my number three. If you have some, do you have anything to say about that? Well, I kind of already mentioned it with okay. the dogs getting electrocuted. Okay, and yeah, getting run over by a train and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my number three. What is your number three? My number three is the music. There is. N- well, why should I worry? Is of course a great song. Oh we'll get yeah, stuck in your head for a week. Oh yeah, and we'll be stuck in my head for another week. Um, you've got almost all the songs in here. While they're not exactly, you know, top of my memory, especially since last time I may have saw this movie was nearly thirty years ago. Okay, um, they are all very good. Yes. Uh, Admittedly, I'm not a big fan of Once Upon a Time in New York City simply because I'll get into that when I get to dislike. Okay. Uh, but uh, Why Should I Worry is good. Um, Streets of Gold is, it's not great, but it's still kind of good. It kind yeah. of giving you an idea as to how things work. Yeah. Perfect Isn't Easy is a great villain song. Agreed. Even though she's not the villain. Right. And Good Company is just sweet. Yeah. But, it, but it's also kind of weird that after... Uh, good company which is about halfway through the movie yeah there are no other songs until the why should i worry reprieve at the end of the movie not admittedly right. i have no idea where you'd fit a song in there yeah it's that's where like i'm not gonna say the meat of the story but that's when the rubber does hit the road it's when the kibble hits the the it's, it's when the kibble hits the food bowl yeah uh and there's a lot of stuff that happens there that really does not lend itself well to a song. Yeah. But uh, when we do get songs, even though it's not, you know, all, it's one of the few times I would think for a musical when you don't have a central person 
writing all the songs to yeah. fit the story, mm-hmm. th- that it actually works. Yeah. Because you got four decent, four pretty good songs that Agreed. work together, mm-hmm. or five pretty good songs that work together, and just give you the feeling of this movie before we hit the climax. True. Normally, when it comes to a musical, I'm not a fan of dropping the music in the second yeah. half. But here, for some reason, it works. But yeah. All righty. So let's get into our dislikes. Yes. What is your first dislike? My first dislike would be the backgrounds are janky. Thank you. <laughs> I This is actually my number one as well. All right. Although I was going to say the art style in general is a little almost too minimalist for my liking. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Uh, the backgrounds would be like watching this movie. You, with Disney movies, you kind of expect your backgrounds to be... You know, nice watercolors or mm-hmm. you know pastel colors. Full of detail. Yeah, full of detail. This is just bland and boring. <laughs> well, a lot of the problem is uh, you've got uh, the art style they chose. They use very, very thin lines that are all, that are not outlines. They're literally paint strokes. Oh yeah. And uh, after about, and admittedly, we're talking about most of these backdrops being buildings. Right. And some of that is going to blend in after a while, but with this art style, it blends in almost immediately. Oh yeah, as you're coming down on Times Square, mm-hmm. it comes. In, it's it goes, kind of just washes over you, not in a good way. It's like yeah, and here's the drab New York City. Well, yeah, New York City even in the '80s was not drab. Uh, <laughs> or it's- or it shouldn't be portrayed as such in this kind of a movie. Yeah, I, I would agree, I would agree with you. Be like, New York in the eighties was pretty rough. Let's say that. Yeah, but, but it is, wasn't that rough around. Be like, it, it, it wasn't it, this bland. Yeah, oh, I agree. And there was a lot of uh, definitely that one scene you were talking about where uh, you you come into come in scene where Oliver is he gets washed away out of his box. Yeah, there there are so many buildings where the uh, the edge lines were left in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, who in their right mind as a uh, well, an artist, an artist director, didn't pick that up before you put it on? Uh, I'm agreeing with you here. Yes, I will say that the very first shots of the movie, yeah, the kind of unfinished look to it, kind yeah, of gave it a book illustration feel. Yeah, agree, which with was you. great for the first couple moments. But by the time you've Got, you get to seeing Oliver, you should not be in that art style at all. Anymore. Yeah, you should oh, be agree. focused on showing off the town. Yeah, showing off Oliver in the world because this is a living world he's in. He Agreed. should feel like it's alive and not feel like him running around in a picture book mm-hmm. because we're past the point where we're alluding to an illustration in a book. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, just the uh, the the backgrounds are just kind of bland and, like you said, be like it looks like you're just looking at a picture book, or like a little fairy tale book or something yeah. like that. And and admittedly, I kind of know what they were thinking. They were yeah. tr- If you look back at like old, like an old copy of Oliver Twist from that era, where it was all uh, engravings, right? Was how they produced the uh, the pictures. Uh, they were kind of going for that feel, yes, of those of that style, and it's good in those first moments. Mm-hmm. And even on the shot of Times Square as you're coming down, yeah, and I like those being repeated at the end, yeah. But the minute you we are coming up on real life people, 
Yeah. Which is the shot as we're coming into seeing Oliver's cardboard box with his brothers and sisters. Right. We should have been past that pastiche mm-hmm. at that point. Then, And it keeps going, really, until uh, he falls asleep in front of the rider truck. Yeah, I, I, I would I would also continue with that. Be like, there are certain other shots throughout it that also they missed a great pun by not having it be a caterpillar because it'd be a cat. Yeah, also it was a rider truck. <laughs> I know, but obviously caterpillar did not pay. For, yeah, that is for true. Stuff and rider did. <laughs> yeah, also be like you know noticing there was a lot of billboards with actual sign like Coca Cola. Um, yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of that. There's a lot of product placement, but it was product placement that kind of worked yes i agree with you definitely like a city night like new york yeah. you'd see that it's not in your face no but other than that yeah just it'd be like yeah the backgrounds were just janky mm-hmm. and apparently i stole your thunder on number one no 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 we just had the same thought okay what's your number two dislike all right my number two dislike uh characters have a tendency dropping out of frame okay all right so you have characters where i, I do remember parts of this okay where like when uh, the the Dobermans are chasing them down. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, because be like you'll literally have a character he'll like fall back, mm-hmm. be like falling back, falling back, and a character is completely gone. Right. Where Normally you, you let them get back below the horizon. Yes, but that doesn't happen. He just literally is just about pretty far back, mm-hmm. and he just disappears. Oh yeah, it's like ah, wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't finish your framework. An error. Yes. At least have a truck run pat drive past. Oh yeah, that mess. Yeah, there was there was one but point. There's nothing. No, yeah. There's 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 other multiple points where, uh, like Oliver, he's running, he's supposed to round a corner, mm-hmm. but they don't finish the animation. It's literally he runs at the corner and disappears. You'd think that at least edited around that. You thought so, but they didn't. Be like there, there are so many little there are animation errors all over this movie, oh, yeah. and it's a headache and a half watching it. Especially when you're trying to review something for a podcast, yeah, exactly. And you're looking for this sort of thing, yeah. It's I mean, like you, you, you know, when when you're doing this, it's very you 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 notice a lot. Mm-hmm. You notice a lot when you're reviewing something. And uh, I know some people will be like, well, I just enjoy the movie. It's like, well, that's I, fine. I enjoyed the movie, too. Yeah. But I have to be think we, we do have to think in terms of. Yeah. Critical. We about have to be critical about it. It's like we got to look for the bad stuff. Now, oh. I would this under normal circumstances, stuff like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. I would think would be considered more nitpick. Yeah. Except this is more than that. Yeah. Oh, well, I agree with this you. This is stuff that should not have happened this is stuff you don't live with yeah it's, it's called this this is they should have done their editing better if they weren't going to finish the animation there were ways to work around the problem oh yeah and they didn't do it yeah there, there should have been i don't know who the uh, animation director was in this film uh i actually think it was either the lit- animation director or the editor needed to do another pass yeah i think and it was fix problems because if the animation director didn't catch it, the editor should have cut it off before they got to that point. Yeah, I think it was Glenn Keane who was the animation director, which I'd be like, I am a huge fan of Glenn Keane. He's probably mm-hmm. my favorite animation artist. But thinking about it, it's like, wow, all, all these little animation errors, yeah. you know, characters clipping are it makes you know, basically me, clipping through walls. It makes me character. wonder how rushed this movie m- might have been near the end. Well, it was. It took him. T- it was two years, right? 
But I'm wondering if maybe it needed another six months to be done properly, and that's, it got rushed at the end. That's pro- that's probably a good possibility to make it out before the end of the year. Well, the thing about the '80s, because the '80s were you know kind of a rough time for for Disney. Yeah, the fact that there was the uh, the rumor that they were going to shut down the animation department mm-hmm. at that time, and uh, definitely in 1989 when they were doing our. 87 when they were doing Little Mermaid they moved everybody out of uh, the studios which was designed for animation and moved them into basically trailers to do their work and uh, so there was a lot of be like you got to get done things done quick and be like, we've got to get this out right. Other, otherwise be I like can, we're gonna we're gonna tank yeah I can see why that would have caused problems especially when what we we're talking about yes was that but you just wish someone would have done an extra little go through and gone a little bit over the extra mile just to get these nice little things done and it right. just didn't and it stands out mm-hmm. in oh, some I agree. ways that maybe I would not have noticed as a child. Oh. But do notice now. Oh yeah, as an adult with you know more keen eyes of things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, that is my number two. What is your number two? My number two deals with the song Once Upon a Time in New York City. Okay. The first verse is fine. It's kind of a cheery tune. Getting an idea is it's New York City. New York City's great. Kind of gets you into the feeling that this is going to be kind of a good, fun movie. Right. And then it gets, and of course it gets into the chorus, and it actually mentions Oliver telling him to be strong, dream his dreams, uplifting, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then the second verse. The second verse, using the same music, the same cheery music from the first verse, talks about all these horrible things that are befalling Oliver that we're seeing on screen. And it's paired with what's going on on screen with with the rain destroying the box and him nearly drowning in the suit as as the water going to the surround going... Hang on, I'm getting a cup. I'm getting mixed messages here. There's a little bit of uh, what you call it, um, foreshadowing. Not foreshadowing. Um, I can't think of the word, but it's when it's essentially mixed messages where you got the song is saying cheery and hopeful, conflicting, and what, and what you're watching and what yeah. the singer is singing is dark and depressing. Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. almost a bad juxtaposition, which yes. is not Thank the word you. I'm looking for, yeah. but. It's going to be close enough. Right. Um, it's, uh, it, it's weird, and I don't like it. Okay. And it makes Sorry me go, uh, the guy who wrote these lyrics, did you know what kind of music he was going to write? Or the guy who wrote the music, <laughs> did you read the lyrics yeah. <laughs> before you wrote this? Or did you just hear, oh, it's about starting off in New York City. And all of a sudden... Oliver, don't be scared. I'm not singing it right. Oliver, yeah. don't be scared. You're going to survive this box falling apart in the rain <laughs> or whatever. It's just so, it's like, ah. Anyway, it just annoys me. Oh, I, I understand. Like, that's, if you're going to do this, either change up your music or change up the scene, depending on what you feel is more important. Yeah. It's just at this point, it's like the music and the visuals do not match. Okay. And the lyrics are not helping matters as they are kind of dark and depressing, but they're being sung in a cheery manner. Yeah. To go along with the rest of the song. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I totally understand uh, where you're going from. It's, it's odd. It's odd. It's awkward. And 
a little cringy. A little cringy, and I think it's something that I'm noticing as an adult that a kid wouldn't notice. Okay. Because let's face it, how, and it, it could be I'm noticing it because I have I, when I watch movies, I always have the subtitles on. Okay. So I'm able to make out every single line this this guy is singing. I'm going, this can't be <laughs> what you were thinking. Is it? Anyway, it's it's just weird. Okay. So yeah, that's my number two. It's oh, it's the the weird juxtaposition of that second verse in that song. It's like, uh Well, it's understandable. You're kind of you're more you're a music guy, yeah. in a, in more often than not. So yeah, I understand that because from being an artistic guy, I'd be like I wasn't even listening to the lyrics. <laughs> Definitely on that song. Well, th- that song is meant to be an introduction. It's yes. Not your overture, but it's like. Getting you, it's giving you enough of the information of the story in order to tell, uh, start the movie off. Mm-hmm. But then when you watch it, where they where it's timed and the and the actual song and the fact that it's still a very cheery song, mm-hmm. it's just nah, it doesn't match. It doesn't fit. Okay, it's, that's all it is. All right, it's an unfortunate choice. Uh, okay, gotcha. So what's your third dislike? My number three kind of mirrors my like on number my uh, my like of number three it's very dark (laughs) (laughs) now mind you there again it's not as dark as some of the 80s films from other studios yeah just the fact that sykes kidnaps jenny for ransom i'm like what the heck like you get that scene you get it's like I'm thinking, like poor Ginny, be like you get kidnapped, be like your parents are away, be your parents are away in Europe. You got to stay with the butler, which is probably not a bad thing. Although it's obvious he's not paying attention to you. No, obviously not, because you want you wander off and be like with the family dog and doesn't even pay attention to it. Yeah, and apparently even Sykes calls him, be like. Like, did you not realize your be like the person in which you were supposed to be watching over protecting is missing? Yeah. <laughs> did you leave a letter or something? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I've got to get my kitty cat back. It's like, okay. It's a cat. You go to the shelter, buy another orange cat. But he's not Oliver. He's not Oliver. I know. I I am a cat guy. I understand. But at the same time, it is not worth her life. She's a little kid. Either way. Which makes it worse. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Be like, and you know, Ginny again, she gets kidnapped by Sykes. And it's like, okay, this gets re- be like, towards the end of the movie, it gets a lot darker. A lot darker oh, yeah. themes. And uh, at the time they decide, eh, we're not going to sing anymore. Yeah, pretty much. We're, we're going to go all serious and dark. And, uh, and then you get the... Uh, the the rare the uh oh the underground railroad scene the subway the subway scene thank you what if i was getting subway subway eat fresh uh <laughs> but anyways it like, me how often we think alike <laughs> <laughs> scary right be like you get that like intense but be like one the um uh, one how the heck did sykes get down get that car down the subway which was my number three. <laughs> yes. That, that was, I was like, how in the world? You can't do that. You're here's, driving a limousine. Here's the natural problem here. We've both worked in retail. Yes. What is out front of every retail establishment to keep you from driving into the building? <laughs> Barriers. 
at least concrete pole. Yeah, exactly. And you're telling... So, A, there's no concrete poles, apparently, in front of this thing. Yeah. And, B, the stinking stairwell is wide enough to fit a car down? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I'll give you the tracks because yeah. the, the subway trains and the cars are going to be around the same yeah. width. But it got down the stairs into the platform? Yeah, that transmission be like everything should have been shot. <laughs> well, not only that, it drove had to have... Even in the 80s, there yeah. would have been handrails going down the center of that stairwell. Yeah, there would have. Which means he had to drive through those handrails Rails. that they did not bother to put in the animation. That is true. So I'm just thinking, he should have been stopped a long time ago. Oh, yeah. But the I, know New the York, I know New York City was not always the greatest when it came to infrastructure, especially in the 80s. Yes. And especially in maintaining that infrastructure. But come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was... Touch more realism, please. It's it's, the plot demanded it. I know, but it's like, (laughs) there's a logical discrepancy. Yes. In that scene, it's like, I know why you did it. It just messes with me. (laughs) Oh, I agree. I agree with you. And it'd be like, it gets darker from there. It'd be like, you get the the pursuing fight between the, the dogs and Oliver, mm-hmm. and Oliver basically killing the dogs by throwing them off the car into yes. the electrified rails. Oliver t- and company, too. This time, it's personal. <laughs> uh. Hey, man, you ugly. You ugly, too. You ugly, three. You the revenge of the ugly. <laughs> Oh, which I'm thinking, aren't those Star Wars titles? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So to kind of wrap up what I was g- talking about, like Psyche gets plowed in by the uh, train, by, by the oncoming Subway. train. And how in the world did Tito pull this cart with the uh, with the uh, I would the, love to know the, this the shopping cart onto the uh, some. I would love to know how they managed to perform to jump that scooter yeah onto the Brooklyn Bridge's cables cables how it's like cuz you even watched that scene and i kind of knew it was coming it's like yeah. how are they going to get up there is there a ramp is something weird going on and no it's just hop there it's <laughs> you can see kind of rumbling on the tracks and all of a sudden How'd you do that? Yeah, exactly. Is, is there a is there a uh, little thing that pushes down the ground underneath that you hadn't bothered to show us? At least have Tito I, do. Hey, man, watch these. <laughs> exactly. And but press a button, then all of a sudden, boom. Okay. And then for then for some and reason, then somehow they can they remain balanced on the exactly cable, not just going up there at a high rate of speed, but they stop. And reverse slowly, slowly. down the yes. cable. It's like, ah, uh, Georgette's the, about to die. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all about to meet a very Georgette's watery the, end. Georgette's the only one who's really aware of how much tr- danger they are in yeah. right now. Because she's the only one still scared out of her mind. <laughs> her little doggy mind. But yeah, it's just, the ending is so... Be like that entire scene. The entire scene is so oddly... It's dark, but at the same time, be like, logic goes out the window with some of it. It's funny. Oh, yeah. It's very funny. It's all played for laughs. It's a dark dark moment, but it's played kind of for laughs. Oh, yeah. 
and it works mostly. Yes, it works until mostly. Until you start analyzing it. Yes. You, and that's you, when it starts to fall apart. Yes. So don't take what we're saying too seriously, I yes, guess is what exactly. I'm trying to say. Because it's not really that bad in context. No, it's not. Be like it's it's an all around very good movie. Yeah. And we're just, you know, nitpicking this thing half to death. Because it's fun. Exactly. And you come to us to hear that. Exactly. You're welcome. Anyway, so I think that is going to bring us to the end of our uh, review. I think so. Uh, what is your rating for this movie? My rating would be a 7.5. Okay. Uh, I enjoy the film. There again, it does have a few glaring errors here and there. The The background there again is janky. Um. It's got an amazing cast. Uh, I was very surprised when I first watched the like Billy Joel's Dodger. It's like okay, cool, that's interesting. Uh, he he definitely acted be like for his first time voice role for a voice role. That wasn't and bad. only time and only time that was really good. I was very impressed. Uh, Literally, all his other entries on IMDb were either him playing himself. Yeah. Or were his music videos? Interesting. That was all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I there again, I'm, I enjoyed this film tremendously. Uh, a seven point five is not a knock against this film. the uh, The animation is questionable here and there, and the logic in definitely towards the end of the movie is very logical, very you know, squilly in a way. They use the word squilly. Um, all right, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> Uh, I enjoy the film. I enjoy it. Uh, there again, a seven point five is not a there again, not a knock. It's mm-hmm. it's a very good high rating. If I was to give it a bad rating, it'd be like like a four, but it's not be like it's too good of a film to get you know a very bad rating. It's a, it's an amazing film. Go watch this. Uh, it's easy accessible now with Disney Plus. You can yes, that's you can, where I watched it was oh, Disney okay. Plus. Yeah, yeah, go watch it. And plus, you if you don't have Disney Plus, go buy, go get it. It's good. Mm-hmm. What's yours? I'm giving this an 8.0 because wow, okay, cool. I, I'm going to admit nostalgia kind of feeds this a little bit. Okay, which is weird because, like I said earlier, it's nostalgia. I don't know why I'm nostalgic for it, if that makes sense. Because I know I didn't watch this movie a lot as a kid. Okay, so because I don't even remember watching it, even though I know I watched it. Yeah. I know that sounds weird, but it's the truth. Um, it's a fun movie. Uh, yes, there are some parts where logic flies right out the window, but for some reason, I'm right out the window with that logic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The entire time. Uh, I, if I were to... The biggest knock, and I know I didn't bring this up in my uh, dislikes, but my biggest knock on this movie is that it's actually a little short. I wish it was about 15 minutes longer. But that's just me wanting a little bit more of it. So. Oh, okay. And plus, couldn't put this on the 100 movie thing even if I hadn't seen it before. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my... Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. All right. Good deal. So, that brings us to the end of this episode. And so, we need to roll for our mm-hmm. next movie. Now, Oliver and Company was sitting at number 4. It and Kung Fu Panda were tied at the time for... Uh, spots because they're all they're both over six Uh, interestingly enough if good dinosaur does not get picked this time Mm -hmm. it's going to start being eligible for growing as well so 
uh, as it sits right now, we've got the Muppet movie at number one, at number one, Kung Fu Panda at two and three, Aladdin at four, Good Dinosaur at five, and one and Kung Fu Panda again at six. Okay. Since this was your pick, I get to roll. Go for it. It's three, which means we are watching Kung Fu Panda. Wah! Uh, probably what that will mean, because that will put Good Dinosaur at six. It will actually be we. Uh, it will not grow until next week after after next week's episode. So keep an eye out for that. Alrighty then. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page. On Twitter at Jacob B. Heron. On Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. And on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, the Cellcast. Podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say the cell cast, that is with a single L. Next time on the Cellcast. Order up. Hope you like it. This is really good. No, come on. You should try my dad's secret ingredient soup. He actually knows the secret ingredient. What are you talking about? Oh, this is amazing. Mm. Wow, you're a really good cook. I wish my mouth was bigger. Tigress, you've got to try this. Mm. It is said that the dragon warrior can survive for months at a time on nothing but the dew of a single ginkgo leaf and the energy of the universe. I guess my body doesn't know it's the dragon warrior yet. <laughs> I'm gonna need a lot more than dew and uh, universe juice. <laughs> what? Oh, nothing, Master Shifu. <laughs> You'll never be the dragon warrior unless you lose 500 pounds and brush your teeth. <laughs> what is that noise you're making? Laughter? I never heard of it. Work hard, Panda, and maybe someday you will have ears like mine. <laughs> That's good. Oh, uh. Ears. It's not working for you? I thought they were pretty good. It's Shifu. Of course it's Shifu. What do you think I'm doing? 
Ooh, Master Shifu. Uh. <laughs> you think this is funny? Tylung has escaped from prison, and you're acting like children. What? He is coming for the Dragon Scroll, and you are the only one who can stop him. <laughs> and here I am saying you got no sense of humor. <laughs> I'm gonna s step down. What? You're serious? And I have to. Uh, no, Master Ugwe will stop him. He, he did it before. He'll do it again. Ugwe cannot. Not anymore. Huh? Our only hope is the Dragon Warrior. The Panda? That's the Panda! Master, please, let us stop Tai Lung. This is what you've trained us for. No, it is not your destiny to defeat Tai Lung. It is his! Where'd he go? <laughs>